Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Django here on the Humble Farmer. Got all my buttons twisted right this time, I hope. I've uh, tried a new thing with my microphone. Tell me if it sounds better or worse. So if you're still getting the same old thing, I'm the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. I deliver up wisdom. You know, the only way you can like any movie is to be unfamiliar with the book. (laughs) 
and Joe Cohn playing an, an Al Cohn tune, Mr. George. In 1912, Galsworthy wrote a story called Quality. You certainly remember it, but to refresh your memory, it was about a bootmaker who starved to death because he refused to make an inferior product. John Galsworthy came to mind when a friend told me about a small vegan, I think that's where you pronounce it, vegan coffee bar in Joplin that closed after seven years because they couldn't make a profit to pay themselves a living wage. These people preached the gospel of clean eating but went deeper and deeper in debt because their organic ingredients were expensive and it took a long time to prepare the meals. Also, they had no health or dental insurance. Their customers were health-conscious and appreciated a place where they could get normal portions of healthy food. The owners had a slogan written on the refrigerator. It said, Slow food is good food. And, you might suspect, there is a moral to this story. 
And if there is a moral to the story, it's probably, go ahead, supersize me. Because or something other shine Django. Here on the humble farm, aware with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you again for listening. Ignorance is bliss, if I may coin a term that should find currency. While reading my book about atoms. This is a book by Kurt Steger. It's a book about atoms. So I'm reading this book about atoms. Yesterday I learned that burning coal releases bad chemicals into the air. And only one of them is mercury. But mercury kills people and makes other people sick. We hear it gets into tuna fish. We read online that the mercury situation is getting better. 
which may indicate that the regulations you have asked your government to impose on industry are working. On the other hand, it might, may indicate that the offenders are bankrolling the agencies that write the reports. You never know, do you? When I asked myself why we don't shut down the coal plants today and turn to other sources for our energy, my mind immediately saw a parallel in Shirley Jackson's story, The Lottery. Now, think about this. You remember The Lottery. It's coming back to you. But because one or two preteens might be listening, I will explain that in this story, The Lottery, on one day every year, in this town, the entire community gathers in the town square to participate in a lottery. They have done this for so long that nobody knows how the tradition started. Everyone draws a slip of paper from a box. The person who wins the lottery is stoned to death by the others. There are a few people in town who'd like to see this lottery discontinued, but there's no way of stopping it because... You know, well, it's it's always been that way, and this is the way it has to be. You know, only a fool would try to change the traditional way of doing things, like putting up solar panels on his house.
Ghana. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer, where you can hear things like Ghana. Radio friend Tom sent me an email that says, I was at a wedding this past fall talking to cousin Steve, who had recently started a farm specializing in lavender flowers. He said that one of the difficulties was getting enough hired help during the harvest season. Given that the farm is located in California at the base of the Sierra Mountains, I said he should consider starting a spiritual retreat. He could develop mindfulness exercises that would involve harvesting the lavender flowers. He wasn't sure that this would work, but I reminded him that in India, they say, there is a seeker born every minute. Wacky, 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 woo, Django. 
You've heard me say that I haven't been able to go to the movies for years and years and years. It must have been 25 or so years ago I went to the movies with Julian and his wife Peggy. And every time some character would say something important, they'd bring up that background music so neither Julian nor I could hear what was said. We'd both ask Peggy what was said, and she'd repeat it first on one side and then on the other. And I'd very likely laugh and look up just in time to see someone being strangled. Why do they put that background music in movies so you can't hear what people are saying? And no matter what kind of program you're watching on television, it seems that there's some little drum beat clicking in the background. It never stops. And when the action speeds up or danger approaches, the drum beat speeds up, you always hear it in the background. Now, you might have noticed that some producers are putting background music behind the stories they tell on the radio. Even a storyteller has background things going in, in the background. Let me tell you something, please. If I want to hear people telling a story that I can't understand because of the music in the background, I'll listen to La Boheme.
Jack Teagarden that says she's a great, great girl, but you <laughs> you listen to the changes, you could hear it was was something else, wasn't it? it? Was you could hear Bix's solo in behind there. Bix recorded that under a different name. What was the name of that song? I can't tell. But I do know it's something else. And now that you've had a chance to think about it, you can probably tell me why people do some of the terribly stupid things that they do. Yes, they get positive reinforcement from their friends when they do bad things. If you see a girl sitting in the sun until she turns black, even though she knows that sun will make her old and wrinkled before her time and perhaps even give her melanoma, some kind of cancer, you know She's only doing this because a few of her friends have told her how great she looks when her skin is all burned from the sun. A woman will jam her feet into a narrow pair of high-heeled shoes and be uncomfortable all day and destroy her feet just because, from time to time, someone tells her that she looks good. <laughs> I've always been amazed that people will undergo real physical pain or destroy their health if someone tells them it's the accepted good thing to do. Now, to be fair, I am a conscientious hedonist, so I'm into pleasure and not pain. Oh, some people will do things if they think it moves them up a rung or two on the social ladder. Why do you listen to this show?
Django, here I am, standing at the kitchen counter one morning, minding my own business, opening pill bottles, when, yes, you can believe who it was, it was my wife Masha, the almost perfect woman who crept up by my elbow and says, Why don't you let me put your pills in one of those pill dispensers? Then you'd only have to open one thing in the morning instead of three. <laughs> I told her I'd rather open the three bottles because, after all, a man my age should be getting some exercise. <laughs>